If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine, Britain's best-selling history magazine. I'm Ellie Cawthorne. Last Friday, the 8th of November, a new blockbuster, Midway, hit US and UK cinemas. The film is inspired by the real events of the 1942 Battle of Midway, in which the US and Japanese went head-to-head in the middle of the Pacific. And most of its characters are based on real figures, including the main protagonist, US air pilot Dick Best. Its director is Roland Emmerich, whose previous films include Independence Day, The Day After Tomorrow, The Patriot and Godzilla. I headed to London to meet him and find out more. So what was it about the Battle of Midway that made you think, OK, this could be a really great war film? 20 years ago, I saw this documentary about it and I, I realised immediately um, that's an amazing uh, comeback story. Uh, when you like kind of normally see war, uh, war movies, it's never about a comeback story, but it start. But it was really important to include um, the attack on Pearl Harbor, because uh, this was such a incredible traumatic event, uh, which actually caused the Americans to enter the war. 
but they were not prepared because they didn't want to actually get in this war. Uh, and um, so that was like kind of for me the most important thing that yes, the Americans, uh, um, you know, got attacked, but they were also felt like the underdog. That leads on nicely to my next question, which is the big opening set piece to the film is the attack on Pearl Harbor, mm -hmm. and it's very visceral and mm -hmm. very vivid. What did you want to convey by opening the film with that? It's like this, you know. Uh, I think um, when you like kind of read like books about Midway, a lot of the the people who fought in this battle had lost like friends. Uh, because the the Navy was a very small group of people. It was not like kind of, um, you know, the army, you know, like kind of hundreds and thousands of people. No, it was like quite the smallest, you know, um, unit of the American uh, armed forces. So uh, I think that was one of the reasons. And secondly, it's always great to open with a, you know, like a, a big moment and then end with a big moment, you know? And so, so it was like kind of, for me, that was like kind of probably what, what, what like excited me about the movie Midway the most. You didn't have to invent anything. It was just like naturally follow one thing, followed another. Our listeners, a lot of them are in the UK and might not know so much about mm. Midway. Can you set the scene of the Pacific War in 1942 and what America were up against? Well, um, uh, the, the the Japanese, you know, uh, wanted to kind of uh, uh, become a world power, uh, but they had like kind of one big problem. They had to, they had to kind of get all their metal and their oil from America. So um, when they finally, you know, like kind of sided with the the, the Germans and the Italians and 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 and, and made this uh, pact, you know. Uh, pretty much, you know, everybody in the Western world, including America, sanctioned them. So they had to kind of go into attack. So what they did, they attacked first a lot of places in Asia. But then, you know, they kind of uh, knew that at one point uh, they also have to kind of attack America. And they attacked without, while they like were still negotiating uh, some sort of... Um, you know, uh, in Washington, they attacked out of nowhere um, uh, Pearl Harbor, which Hawaii was not a, a, a real state yet, but was a territory, you know, and that like kind of set off like kind of this uh, terrible events. How does working on a historical film like this differ from, say, your big fictional disaster movies um, that you've worked on previously? What are the challenges of building a fictional story around real events? From the very beginning, I said to everybody, we should try to um, really, really follow history as accurately as we can. And whatever we invent has to serve the purpose to make this all better understandable in a more emotional. So I think uh, what we did, you know, was like just um, follow in a way um, the what happens during these six months, but we made clear choices what we show and what we don't show. Which is interesting because it's a story told on a massive scale. Mm -hmm. We have, we see it from the air, we see it from the sea, we see it from the backroom boys mm -hmm. mapping things. How do you as a director weave those strands together into something coherent? That's always like kind of naturally the work on the script. I mean, the, the script is always, I think, the most important thing in the film. I mean, I think it's good that I have like now 30, 40 years of 
experience and you like kind of learn a lot and you don't make certain mistakes anymore. And uh, I think you get better at your craft. Uh, and I think it was the right time for me to do a, a movie like this because it is based on real facts. And it's probably uh, because of that, you know, like you have this some sort of responsibility. Uh, you feel a lot of responsibility. The actors too, they felt a lot of responsibility to get it right. That's a really interesting point you make about responsibility because most of your characters are based on real people. Mm. What challenges did that throw up? I mean, it's like what, what luckily most of these people are documented really well. Um, none of them is alive anymore, but uh, we have like endless books about them. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, secondly, you know, uh, you still have to kind of do a lot of uh, inventing because you, but what we try to do is like put a lot of quotes into their mouths, which they, it's confirmed that they said. Maybe like in other, you know, like kind of, uh, um, place in their life but like we try to kind of some sort of get uh, you know like things what they said into the movie uh, which was interesting and um, and it was a, a little bit also I think the the writer um, had like a personal um, connection because he comes from a Navy family and I think when I think without that it, he would have not had the same kind of respect And I uh, have like also something which always like kind of uh, uh, tied me to this film. Uh, my uncle, which I never met, was a fighter pilot, a German fighter pilot in World War II. And to him happened the same thing what happened to Dick Best. Uh, uh, the up and down activated his latent tuberculosis. And because there were no hospitals after uh, World War II in Germany, he died. So, as you mentioned there, your central character is Dick Best, who's this ace pilot. Can you give us a sense of the risks involved for the men who flew in missions such as Midway? Well, like most of the time, you know, when there was like a big battle, uh, I think I would say at least a third didn't came back. I think sometimes as much as 50% didn't came back. So whatever they did, you know, they constantly were risking their lives, you know. But they also, like a lot of people, died during training flights and uh, and uh, and scouting flights, you know, for all kinds of reasons. Most of the time, you know, I mean, they didn't have that much um, experience that the uh, Americans. And, um, and on the other hand, you know, I think they were very well aware that they somewhat are the underdog and it's a terrible difficult. But they they did it anyway because it, they felt it is their duty to do it. I mean, it's a different time, you know. It was a really different kind of person too, uh, which did it. Talking about a different time, how do you, from a production perspective, go about recreating the world of 1942? Well, I mean, a lot of research, a lot of uh, uh, lucky coincidences. Um, for example, we found. Uh, this movie, you know, uh, which called it's called uh, The Fighting Lady, was done like 1943 on an aircraft carrier. Pretty much showed us everything how it was done. Uh, we sometimes imitated um, certain shots of that uh, because they show like kind of when they come back from a battle, uh, these like kind of planes were like kind of shut up 
amazingly i mean that they even could uh, still fly was like a, a miracle and so so there was a lot there was like our bible in a weird way and every actor watched it had to watch it i made them watch it and um and my crew like watched it several times they constantly said oh look at this and look at that and and that's i think uh, you know made the movie more authentic in a weird way because you could really see it. And then it was also shot in 16 millimeter color. When, when you like kind of uh, see like something in black and white, everything is then gray. Uh, uh, but we like kind of realized all of a sudden how colorful the, the ground personnel was, you know? I mean, the red was like the fireman, but the yellow were this guy and the green were that guy. I mean, this was very, very uh, color uh, coordinated, organized. It's very immersive, and when you're in the cockpit, you really feel like you're there mm. and you can hear the bombs exploding around. How do you go about creating something that is simultaneously true to fact, but also really an exhilarating action? Thriller? Well, it's like kind of, I mean, from the very beginning, I always like kind of said this to myself. Every, um, I think every movie in my mind has to show something people haven't seen. And uh, in, in war movie, you have seen a lot of dogfights and stuff. And that's why we like kind of don't show so many dogfights. But I realized, you know, when I watched uh, certain documentary footage, how wild actually uh, dive bombing is. Just wild. And, um, and I kind of said to myself, look, uh, this is what I want to show the world, you know, how this uh, felt. And when you like kind of uh, see this today, you cannot believe it that actually people did that. Because today we have like somebody on a joystick from two, three thousand miles away, you know, like kind of guiding a missile into some village, you know, and he's like kind of uh, um, not even involved besides like kind of steering this thing. At that time, it was like kind of people who pretty much like, you know, uh, risked their life. And this like against, you know, like 10, 20 ships shooting at them. So it was like this kind of thing, which I always uh, uh, felt has to be the absolute high point of this film. You mentioned there that we've seen a lot of dogfights, for example, in World War II films before. But what are some of your favorite war films and which did you take inspiration from? Uh, my all-time favorite uh, war film is uh, probably A Bridge Too Far uh, because it has also this complicated and you see really how war is, is, like, um, is like kind of uh, more or less done. Also shows like both sides very well. And then like Saving Private Ryan because uh, you have like kind of this visceral feel of what's like kind of the D-Day invasion looked like. And, uh, and then uh, when it comes to air battles, battle over Britain, there's like a, a movie about that, which I thought was like fantastic. Still to come on the History Extra podcast. It was like the greatest generation. They were called the greatest generation. And I have to say, after reading so much about Midway and how to make this movie now, I believe that too. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed, 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you think it is about the Second World War that means more than seven decades on we're still telling these stories and there's still such an appetite for them? I think uh, I think whatever it is, you know, I think it's um, probably directors who choose, you know, to make these movies um, because it's um, it was a very important war. It was like actually where democracy uh, triumphed. And I think uh, maybe it's today more, even more important than ever because you don't want to have anybody forgetting about what nationalism leads to because um, right-wing politics and national, uh, nationalism uh, really leads to war. And uh, in these days, you know, it's good to remind people that there were some young, you know, kids in a way, you know, uh, who defended uh, democracy with their life and put their life at risk and a lot of people uh, died. Uh, by the way, you know, I mean, it was like kind of uh, relatively evenly how many people died and uh, it was like uh, 50 million. So can you imagine 50 million people dead? Recognizing the broader scale of this, it isn't just from an American focus. At the end of the film as well, you have a dedication to the mm -hmm. American and Japanese that died at Midway, and you weave the Japanese perspective throughout. Why was it important to you to include that? Well, because it's maybe, because I'm German maybe, uh, I, I noticed from my father, who was in, the, uh, was in World War II as a 17-year-old, uh, it's, it's just like all, you know, people do their duty and do their, what they have to do. It's the politicians who, who um, screw up, you know, and start wars and not like the normal soldiers. So I, I kind of didn't want it to kind of, with a war movie, you know, like a, a reinforce like old, um, you know, like enemy images, you know. I, I, but I learned through books and, and, and reading a lot. Uh, they were like kind of as, uh, as brave and as noble as anybody. They had like a totally different kind of upbringing than the Americans. And um, their society even today is quite different than the American society. 
but nevertheless, you know, I didn't want to make them, you know, like kind of bad guys, you know, because they weren't bad guys. Do you think that this is a different film than, for example, a director would have made 30 years ago from that perspective? I think so, yeah, I think so. They, they would have, like, probably had, like, a big cheering scene at the end, which I totally didn't do on purpose. Um, they would have not shown, you know, like, noble acts of the enemy, which I show. Uh, people go down with their ships at the end of the movie. Um, and so... So I was like kind of really, uh, it was important for me to make this like as modern as you can make a movie like that. Another strand of the story, which we haven't discussed yet, is that of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And you have the intelligence officer Leighton and his team. Why did you want to weave that in alongside the battleship? Because it was a very important element of this whole battle. I mean, first... Uh, uh, it's like Leighton has had lost, you know, like kind of sight of the, the the Japanese fleet, and whenever they lost sight of them, an attack was imminent because they went uh, radio silent, and uh, he didn't push hard enough. This he should have said there's a there's a even it's a small possibility, but they could attack uh, Pearl Harbor, but he didn't push hard enough. So when um, when uh, Nimitz came in, he he was like kind of uh, wanted to kind of give up his job and serve on a on a on a destroyer and and Nimitz said no 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 you have now to uh you know overcome your guilt you now can show that you you know are able to kind of uh, uh be better than that and push harder and he pushed hard and uh even like kind of Nimitz had to you know push him because there there was a big kind of a conflict between Naval Intelligent Washington and Naval Intelligent in Hawaii. And actually the Hawaii people were like kind of the good ones. The Washington ones were always saying, but for an admiral to go against Washington was super risky. The Naval uh, Intelligence people had cracked the Japanese code. So the surprise was this time on the, on the Japanese side because uh, the, the Americans were lay invading for their fleet, and uh, and that changed pretty much everything. What would you want people to take away from this film? Well, it's like I think a lot here in Europe is will be the first time that they even know about it and hear about it, uh, which is fine. Um, in America, it's a little bit different. In, in China, it's a little bit different. They're very aware of Midway. Uh, and the Doolittle Raid and everything what's connected to it. Naturally, in Japan, they're like really uh, very aware of it because they lost the battle. Um, I think mainly I want to kind of put a monument to these amazing characters who risked their life to fight for democracy. And as I said, it's um, it's it's in times of you know, of more nationalism wherever you look. It's a good reminder for, for people. And I think, I hope that they take that away. You've done other historical films, such as The Patriot. Are there any other um, historical time periods or stories that you have got your eye on or that you think could well, be it, made into it, it's like It's like this, it's like this. The Patriot um, was like, uh, the, the, the lead character of Patriot was a combination of different characters. So in that perspective, you know, it was totally different. Um, when I did Stonewall, 
um, that was like also there is very little known about Stonewall. And um, a lot of like groups, you know, try to uh, to take it for themselves. But it was like, uh, you know, it was pretty much like uh, how we, you know, like how I think this uh, this like event uh, uh, went down. But um, and and anonymous was to a certain way like a history. But it was like more. I was very proud how accurate we showed theater in the Elizabethan age. But uh, this was the first movie I, I really did research. Out of this research, I chose my, chose my story and the moments I wanted to kind of portray. And on every day of the set, there was uh, historians watching over me because I wanted to have absolute, make absolutely sure this is all accurate as we're doing. What's it like as a director having historians involved? Is it sometimes stressful or is no, it no? No, I, I, I actually I actually like it because sometimes, you know, they give you great ideas and great insight. Uh, it helps the actors a lot, you know, because they can talk to them. And then um, we had like, you know, for example, this one guy who was like uh, working in the early 60s on an aircraft carrier, very similar to the aircraft carriers in the 40s. So he knew a lot about what happened on aircraft carriers. And there was this moment, you know, where, uh, when you like kind of, uh, where I had like the feeling, how can I convey that nobody expects a plane coming back anymore? So I asked Chuck, Chuck was his name, uh, Chuck, what, what would like tell somebody on an aircraft carrier there is no more planes coming back. I said, yeah, well, we have like this, we kind of build this line of ground personnel and we pick up every little screw which um, is still on the flight deck because we have to we have to clean it up because um, next morning is probably their first scouting flights and, and that's always a sign uh, we don't expect any plane coming anymore. And that how this thing was not in the script, but it was a uh, uh, a little detail which helps, you know, when, because when this pilot then turns around, he says, oh, he sees them already picking up the scrap a metal. Then he says, oh, my friend is uh, obviously not coming back. Um, you mentioned earlier in the interview about the actors feeling quite a lot of responsibility portraying real people. Did you have a process with them to work on those characters? Well, I, I, I knew, like, for every character, when there, is a bio, when there was a biography... Uh, we gave them a list of stuff to read, and uh, actors liked this very much, uh, and you know, studied very, uh, very um, studiously, and um, then, like, kind of, for example, every actor has a little bit another method. Like, for example, Woody uh, went to um, the aircraft carrier and stayed there one night. But only Woody Harrelson is probably allowed to do that. And he also visited the Nimitz Museum. So he did this like in that way, you know, just to soak up uh, this character. Naturally, he also read one of the, the biographies about him. You've got a really star-studded cast, as you mentioned, Woody Harrelson, Dennis Quaid, many others. Do you think that it was the chance to portray real people that part was part of what attracted them to the yes, project. Yes, yeah. definitely. It's a, I think it's a, there's more and more um, movies about real events in Hollywood. It's more and more, uh, you know, the thing to do. And uh, this was one of them. And, um, and I think everybody wants to be once in a World War II movie. 
You know what I mean? It's it's this like fascination people have. It's a lot family history because every one of the uh, the, the the American actors had like um, some relative, some father, some a grandfather probably um, mostly uh, who for, fought in World War Two and. Uh, and they kind of did it because of them, you know, because it was like the greatest generation. They were called the greatest generation. And I have to say, after reading so much about Midway and how they made this movie now, I believe that too. That was Roland Emmerich. Midway is in cinemas now. You can also read a feature on the real Battle of Midway in BBC History magazine's December issue, which is on sale now. Thanks for listening. Today's podcast was produced by Ben Hewitt and Jack Bateman. Tune in again on Thursday when Jill Lepore will be talking about the history of the United States. (laughs) 